0: Rusty Quill Presents Hey everyone, Alex Italanda here, and welcome to the Ostium Zagas. Now, if you're enjoying this series and want more right away, I just wanted to mention that you can get them on our Ostium Network Patreon at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. By becoming a supporter at any level, you'll instantly get access to the next 15 episodes in the series. So that's on our Patreon at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. Now, I'd just like to thank our five most recent patrons for supporting the Ostium Network. Thank you to Death to Komatsu Daryl Williamson, Descripticon, Virginia Green, and Talon for all your support. We really appreciate it. And now let's get started with the next chapter of the Ostium Sagas. <music> The Osteum Sagas twenty nine Saga two. Recorder's note. The idea that the wankers at the Ostium Network knew exactly what they were doing when they sent Dana Lee back to this alternate London, in an alternate England, in an alternate world from the one I'm currently living in, that that London would cease to exist and she'd have no way of getting back to Ostium. Well, I'd say it all sounds extremely far-fetched and hard to believe, but again, this is the Ostium Network we're talking about here the impossible and unbelievable is literally made very possible and definitely believable. But then, what was their goal in doing this? Why did they send her back there just to leave her there? Did they even know all that would happen? Was it random chance? Did they not know in this England the Great Fire would be so much more devastating? Dana seems to think they knew about it already, and I'm inclined to give her the benefit of the doubt, even if I don't really know what the end game was in all this. But let's get back to the saga, shall we, and see if we can find out. Saga continues. I felt the strange pool a lot sooner this time. I was still miles away from the ruins that were once London, and the closer I got, the stronger it got. There was no hesitation or uncertainty on where the location of the former door was this time. I was a good five hours early, so once I reached it, I found a shady spot nearby and had the lunch I'd brought with me. It was a freaky warm afternoon, so I found myself lying back and dozing in the warmth. I wasn't too worried about sleeping through the set time for passing through the Ostian door, because I had a window of a few hours, plus the next few days if need be. Also, I still wasn't sure what was really going to happen, if anything, and so, after all the travelling and walking, I soon drifted off into a relaxing nap. I was awoken by the sound of someone approaching. Because I was resting in a covered area, the person couldn't see me, but I could see him clearly which was good, because my mouth was hanging wide open in shock. It was the guy I followed into the bakery, the guy who started the Great Fire of London. I was beyond surprised and angry, and even a little scared, with no idea what the hell I was going to do. So for the time being, I kept quiet, wanting to see what he would do. He zeroed in on the epicenter, where I was feeling the pull of the ostium door. He apparently knew about it, somehow. Or at least felt it in some way perhaps in the same way I did. Then he kneeled down and started digging into the ash and burnt wood chips and other little pieces of what used to be London. Before I'd left I'd covered up and buried everything again, doing my best to leave it just like it was when I arrived, undisturbed, so it took him a while to reach the bottom. When he did, he sat back on his haunches, breathing heavily. His eyes were open wide. He held that position for a full minute, then moved forward. Hold it right there, bud, I said. Yeah, not exactly correct diction and vocabulary for 17th century England. I kind of just reacted, but I also thought subconsciously that I knew exactly what I was going to say. He froze, then turned towards the sound, and his eyes somehow grew wider when he saw me coming out from my hiding place. Okay, so he did see me enough that night to recognize me. He seemed just as speechless as I was. Okay, time to go all in. I said two words to him. Ostium Network I've read the description in books before, where the author writes that a character's eyes open so wide it seemed their eyes might fall out, but I really did believe that might have happened to him at this moment. Are you okay? I asked, actually concerned for him now. How do you know about Ostium? he asked. I replied that I could say the same thing. I'm guessing you're not from here that you don't belong in this time, I asked. He nodded and said he had the same condition. I said I'd been here almost six months. His eyes widened again, after going back to normal for a bit. He said he'd been here thirteen years. Then it was my turn for my eyes to widen. And that's when I decided to just cut to the chase and tell him my whole story. I had to repeatedly stop myself from bursting into laughter as I told him, because his eyes seemed to have a mind of their own. They'd be normal-sized then get big, then get even bigger, then shrink back down, then get really big again. Yeah, you get the picture. It was really distracting, and hella hard not to laugh out loud. When I was done, he didn't say anything for a long while, and just as I was about to ask him what's up, he said he would think my story was impossible and far-fetched if he didn't have an equally crazy tale to tell. Perhaps even crazier. I suggested we sit down and get comfortable while he told me his story and I shared my remaining food and drink. He was right, his story was crazier than mine, but I was pretty sure the commonality between the two was that we had both been royally screwed by the Ostium Network.